this is Rick Stoner. On today's podcast, I interview Edwin Mata from Bricken. Bricken is a place that companies can put their shares on chain by digitalizing and tokenizing their equity. Investors can purchase security tokens of established businesses, real estate developments, and even early stage startups, which is typically a nightmare through traditional investment avenues. Today's program goes over many different topics and free flows into many others. And good afternoon, evening, everyone. Today I have Edwin Mata with me from the Bricken Project. He's going to tell us about what he does, what this project is, and what is going on in his crypto space. As we all know, crypto space right now has got Web 1, 2, 3, POS, POW, NFTs. There's so much stuff for everybody to learn about. So Edwin's going to help me today learn about his project and help you learn about that also. Edwin, if just to start off, if there's anything that you could tell us about yourself. Of course. Thanks for having me here in this podcast. My name is Edwin Mata. Uh, I am the CEO and co-founder of Ricke. We're a tokenization platform. We can go over that. Uh, but yeah, my background, it's I used to be a, an M&A lawyer. So that's quite interesting how I just went from full-on corporate to like full-on crypto. So maybe we, that's something we can discuss during this podcast. But yeah, thank you for having me here. Oh, you got perfect. I got two. I got a question right off the start. What What is a tokenization platform? All right. Yeah. So basically, tokenization is representing any kind of assets and just breaking it down in tokens of equal value, equal rights, equal obligations. So when you tokenize an asset, what you're trying to bring is just like break down the barrier of adoption. So instead of like having a million euro asset or dollar. You can have like one token worth one euro that everything together adds up for a million. So it's kind of like just bringing the retail investors so they can invest and own uh, these kind of assets that without tokenization would be very hard to have access to. Uh, it doesn't have to be just real world assets. It doesn't have to be like real estate, gold, resources. It can be even digital assets. It can be lands in the central land in the metaverse. So we're talking about any kind of asset that could be represented via tokens, and you break down that asset into as many tokens as you would like to help onboard the retail investor into that project. So it's kind of like a new form of crowdfunding mechanism that is happening in the blockchain space. I'm writing down a question, of course. Okay. Um, here and uh, so something else that you left off with when in your intro was that you changed careers so around that i'm kind of curious i'm going to ask him a little bit more in-depth question do you feel like crypto is starting to absorb a lot of the workforce market that might have been mm, bored with their job you know there's not as much excitement there if you if you go and you work in the same office with the same shirt the same you're gonna be paid the same you're gonna have to buy a lottery ticket to hope to might have a Shiba Inu event. Oops, dear me, I said a shitcoin. And like, you just have to do the same. You jump in the same car. You ride the same subway. That workplace is kind of boring. And I'm wondering, is is crypto attracting people because this can be more exciting um, where there's bigger opportunities and there's innovation opportunities? And it's like it's like a big blooming universe. Like a lot of people, they're like, well, we're crypto bear run. But we don't seem like we're in a crypto bear run when it comes to the employment of people inside of crypto. I mean, I completely agree, you know, when uh, I mean, innovation is exci excitement in any kind of field, right? So, I mean, that's why we always want to have something new and various of the jobs in Web2 are very static. So I used to be an M&A. I used to be restructuring companies, which is still uh, very much exciting because their restructuring happens at various levels in various assets, different companies, different countries. But still, it's kind of like the same fundamental, right? And especially kind of like when I was just to work at the law firm, it was very stable, like the... Dress up, go, go back, goodbye. That's your day, right? But when you enter like this kind of innovative space where everything is just being built up, like even people are changing, uh, formal thoughts, uh, technology-wise, it's kind of like every day there's something happening. So the excitement it just becomes part of your 
innovation process. So I completely agree that this is kind of like those sectors that it's like inviting so many other people. It's just because like, I mean, yeah, you can work nine to six in your stable work. But if you have like that uh, period of like, oh, what is happening here? Like, why are they doing that in such way? Why is blockchain just speeding up on that sector? So it's kind of like a constant bust. So, so that's excitement. And obviously that's kind of like a, like the appeal, you know, like you always want to be part of that constant buzz. I and mean, that guy is doing something new or that company is feeding up now on blockchain or they did an NFT drop of, of that kind. So it's kind of like every day there's just something new. And that's just really, really like the point of why I don't want to go back to corporate world. I like it. I mean, better pay works. Why not sometimes? But blockchain is just, um, yeah, it's super exciting right now. I mean, and and to discover something brand new, you know, if you're if, if these people who work on, um, I'm not sure what they call them, uh, where a belt goes by and they make sure it's a good tomato, bad tomato. I know that isn't even done anymore. They got an automated machine that does that. But th- that's the thing is that we need all kinds of crypto um, engineering and innovation everywhere. And I really really i'm wondering is this what i'm seeing in the workforce is there a big gigantic transition of people really bearing down and going you know the crypto space is going to innovate things it's going to innovate everything from buying groceries to being a space board passenger um for uh what do they call that for space tours in the future like these are the real thing i can't see us using standard databases for much longer especially at the state of affairs of how um i know this is a pretty deep topic uh world espionage you know uh countries attacking countries with computer hacking a way around that and to slow that down is blockchain technology so i feel like there's just millions of jobs in blockchain right now so I, I do find the topic very interesting somebody coming out of corporate going into blockchain and saying yeah this is the way because like there's going to be people listening to this and now they're oh, going to be I thinking mean, well if edwin did it can i do it also everybody should at least try to do it you know I mean, it's not for everyone i mean stability is just like a big sense and a big war you know like some people just like not going into this like uncertainty or what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, it's not for everyone, but definitely everybody should try it. I'm going to tell you a story because I entered blockchain space in 2016 through a, through a company that I was the leading the legal department there. And they, they wanted to do some proof of concept, like testing out they did machine learning and blockchains. But I was in for like blockchains since the beginning. I was like, well, this is amazing, like open databases distributed layer like how is that possible like why nobody thought about okay yeah they did but at that time i was like why nobody told me about this before like what's happening you know like you have connected endpoints and data points and everything is accessible at the same time that was mesmerizing for me so that's why i started creating Brickin. i met my cto actually from the same company and one of my best friends at the time was uh he was a financial officer for like a, he was a head fund manager so he was doing investments at the bc level and I was like, hey, man, so uh, we got this, um, which is called Brickens, organization, thinking about how we could do it, you know, crowdfunding. And he was like, dude, Bitcoin is a scam, you know, like I don't trust it. I was like, oh, wait, hold up. I'm not talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency trading. I'm talking about like the technology. So he's like, okay, why don't we start talking? So he became a co-founder. And at the beginning, he was like, dude, like I'm not bringing that much like know-how as to you and my CTO, Dario, are bringing, but I'm getting super interested. Funny stories, a couple of years later, like he's full on like blockchain, like crypto and like DeFi and getting all these like graphs and understanding like, like macroeconomics yeah, in the blockchain. My it's blockchain great. towels, when you go into the bathroom and you see it says DYOR, do your own research. Another one says BF, uh, what is it, by the fucking BTFD. I have one of those shirts actually friend of mine sent it to me and then you know that you're like wow you went bitcoin but you went like full bitcoin but yeah. what this is really interesting what it does to people where they're like well wasn't it a sc-? they go from scam to now they're like like i don't mean them scam but them thinking that it was to finally understanding this is not this is technology this is solving exactly. a problem that we've had on this planet for two three decades and that is inefficient databases that are way too hackable 
right? And now we have, and I, just like you said, now we can have an open database that's secure and watch transactions go in and out and monitor everything. Like you couldn't, this couldn't be done on a database, never. We're, we're entering a new stage of software engineering, of the understanding of it. A lot of people don't want to think outside the box sometimes in this technology. Everything has to be re-engineered again. We're, we're going to have a massive high demand for coders, I believe, in the next decade. Okay, but not only for coders, for like anybody understanding how the, the technology is going to change, right? Because, for example... I'm a lawyer, and it's like, okay, so yeah, what's a blockchain lawyer? Well, it's somebody that understands the basics and the foundation of how the technology is built because everything is open. So you like transactions occur on the worldwide because the nodes are spread around everywhere. So there's so many uncertainty and so many variables that it's not the same foundation of a contract where you and me sign it right now, and it's like, okay, we have a binding a contract. You know, it's like sometimes you don't even know who you're transacting with. Is that like uh, AML proof or how are you going to deal with that in case somebody loses the money because of a scam or what happens if Luna crashes down and billions are like gone. So, I mean, there's so much potential for any kind of job. Like there's no, there, nobody is like a native blockchain. Like a bunch of us were web two, and then we have our expertise and we just have to transform, upgrade ourselves, you know, kind of like put ourselves in a version two position and say, like, okay, now, Everything that we learned before, it's applicable to the new world. We just have to understand how the new world is working. So, yeah, there's massive opportunities for job positions everywhere, like financial, legal, people. You know, kind of like it's not the same. A corporate person that you're going to hire for a company, that's somebody that wants to work for the crypto because they like to work in remote. So it's kind of like there's potential everywhere. Um, Not that, not that um, our past pandemic was anything to discuss however did now this is a theoretical did it provide this opportunity to help people prove that they could work at home see and i've noticed that also in the workforce now where people want to work at home i'm actually seeing people taking the starlink mobile rv and going out to the middle of nowhere and setting up and they're like hey i'm like they're like you want to you want to code and you need stress-free you need that city not around you you want to have the fresh air you want to have birds and you want to have your high-speed internet and 4k video you can do that now so our world upgraded i watched this happen well, i've been i've been a really big starling fan watching the whole um acceleration of time and, and happenings and i think this is going to really provide large networking for a larger amount of audience that is the coders or the um gentlemen and ladies who are going to be developing in this we don't have to reside in a big urban center and be in an office building working with 300 people anymore. So it's almost like crypto creates independence with technology when the technology is available there for you to build with it. We're, we're going through a massive change. I mean, the pandemic shows that we were already living in a digital world, just we didn't want to acknowledge it. So when everything just blocked and everybody went into lockdown, I mean, the world still needed to work. Yeah, manufacturing and restaurants, hotel and tourism, yeah, they got affected. But the rest, I mean, we're talking about like really like NASDAQ, like the 10 most powerful stocks are digital. So kind of like, dude, guys, we're living in a digital world. Everybody uses digital things. We got Zoom, we got uh, DocuSign for signing concerts abroad. We got everything that we need to work from wherever we want. Just that we were not pushed. I mean, it would have been like a slow trend, kind of like maybe it would take like five years what happened in two months because business still needed to happen. Innovation was still happening. So definitely pandemic, just show us like, guys, we're already digital. Let's get used to it and make the best out of it. And that's where we're living now. Like right now, even help us in the blockchain because a lot of adoption happened. Yeah, maybe more from the investing side, but yeah, whoever invested now understands a little bit more of the technology and they start telling other people. So yeah, I mean, pandemic, it just kind of like built up the earth and it's like, guys, let's go and put on the six, 
uh, speed now on, on the digital force because this is what's happening. We cannot go again and say like, oh, yeah, no, I want to work in the same spot as as the CEO or, or my other co-worker because I don't need to. So if I can work at the best spot that I think I can, which is in the mountains, go for it. Just become your best person. You want to do that, go for it, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly where I was getting at because there's people who want to work who can't handle that office environment, who need oh. to work at their best by themselves. And then we get the best of this could be very healthy change. It also did another thing. It allowed CEOs of big top gun companies to be able to look and observe it all happen. So now they have gained education of what it means to have a planetary home workforce and not necessarily being under their watchful eye all the time. So I, I still believe there's a lot of this is the birthing of a new innovative innovation in our economy when it comes to employment in the blockchain um, but I can see us having more surges of it as the internet deploys more more small towns are going to rejuvenate we're going to see more technology and then we might actually see invention and we actually might prosper quite good because of what happens and a lot of people don't I know a lot of people are still saying oh doom gloom doom and I'm like no what are you talking about look at what's going on we are going to go we're going to break we're going to make a new Moore's law like <laughs> we're going to do one year sooner or later they're going to discover unlimited energy then the next year we're going to be binding really heavily down into AI and then everything's going to take off. And I was thinking about this the other day and people don't understand why we need crypto. And I believe that when you have AI robots walking around and you have a smart hacker who can hack his own robot to make that robot hack you, you won't want to have a bank account. You will want to have crypto protected behind a 12 word key phrase. Right? <laughs> that's the other thing. It makes more secure banking. And we haven't, not a lot of people have talked about that. How secure a banking it gives between the individual and the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same. You know, it's kind of like an opportunity. Um, banking, it's a centralized database. So, it's limited. I mean, you go abroad and it's not so easy to transact. For example, right now, I'm, I live in Spain. Right now, I'm in Serbia because I got a crypto bank coming up next week. And it's a hassle for me to to be like going to an ATM, get like bombarded by fees or paying with my card. Not a lot of people here have cards and it's like, oh my God, what's happening? So like, yeah. I, I feel slow. Kind of like I, I'm not used to being that slow, but just the transfer of me or going to another country just bring me so much problems. And it's like, I always think like, dude, just let me transfer you USDT. I can do it right now. In two seconds, you have like whatever I owe you. You know, kind of like I'm used to that kind of like level of fastness that when I don't have that, it's just like, oh my God, what am I? Like again, the stone age is like, dude, I want to own my resources. I want to be able to handle my resources. I want to transfer them at the moment that I want. And it's like, here, what is the receipt? Here, you just go into the interest scan. Here's the transaction. Boom. That's the beauty of it. It's like, it's just optimized. I think that's more security. I do believe in the security and everything, but everything I believe is also hackable. But I do think like the the nation, the, the, the future economy, it's all about optimization. Kind of like everything happens in a second. Everything is accessible. Here and in China, for me, I can transfer in USDT at the same time. I don't have to go with all these variables and the yen and the dollar and see how much the bank is going to get feeding out of my money or my hardworking money, which they don't even pay. Don't, you you got to mention, too, the swap fee. Like you swap like a thousand dollars BNB into Tether. And it's like you're like, well, that's like four decimal point six. I'm like, well, I think I can afford that. You know, like exactly. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't it doesn't eat up and gobble up our money. Sure you get that transaction fee if you're moving just tether. I don't I don't know actually I if it wanders. I use tether, but I'm not sure if its transaction fee is standard. I've heard people say that it's $10, $20, but I don't always always see that. I actually sometimes use the BUSD one. Um it's it's also Again, like you said, it's fast. I could send it to you right now and you would have it in 20 seconds. I, I agree. I, I saw an experiment, um, what was it, like two years ago with Algorand, 
they did like six continents in under five minutes. They were able to transfer. I think it was like ridiculous, like a hundred dollars or a hundred algos. In like six mm-hmm. countries under five minutes, they just sent all, all wallet to wallet. And it's just like, that's that's the future. It's like five transactions across the globe, no minutes. And the fee was ridiculous. They spent like four cents or something like that. Because obviously blockchain is evolving. So like, yeah, it, uh, I mean, we got the fees from, from Ethereum and they got better ones fees on other chains. And they chains themselves are going to evolve and become more transactable. But just the beauty of that is just like in five minutes, you can... I go across the globe, minimum fees, transfer money. I mean, that's the future of the economy, right? I mean, that's that's just, I mean, we are a digital world. Why are we still waiting for 48 hours for your transaction to occur? And it's like, dude, 48 hours is a long time. Like, I just wanted, I just want that person in China to receive my money. Why are you making it so complicated, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I hear these arguments occasionally about, well, I'm not going to wait three minutes for my Bitcoin transaction to go through for my coffee. And I'm like, what? Like, but you will wait. Right? You'll go and you'll transfer money to a friend who's overseas and, and they'll wait like four days. And that's OK, though. Right. Right. It is. Mm-hmm. People don't get that. They don't even understand that Bitcoin is actually excessively faster than our current fiat system. If you go and you really dive down and you try and do overseas transfers, you're going to find out right away how broken their system is and how fluid the blockchain is. I don't I, I don't know where it's going to be. There's going to be a, a moment where our whole entire planet has this epiphany and they all go, okay, now I need to have a blockchain or I need to have something. And it, like I find when I teach people and I show them and I, I show them how it works and once they understand, they're like, oh, it's just like an MP3. I'm like, yes, it's just like an MP3 except for it's money. Yeah. You know what's crazy of It's like we put like the corporate or the institutional and say like, no, they, they, they're against blockchain and they're against Bitcoin and all that. But then, I mean, if you read the news, like all these central banks are testing already like CBDC, central bank digital currency. So it's like, are, they're tokenizing the euro or the dollar or the gem. So they're really getting into all of these things because they understand the beauty of it and the transactions and the open ledger. So it's kind of like, Guys, we're really gonna go into mass adoption. The banks are to- starting to tokenize money. If they tokenize the money, we're gonna be able to use our own wallets to pay in the in the tokenized dollar or the tokenized euro. It doesn't matter. But the thing is, yeah, institutionals, yeah, they're 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 like in the less than two four years, we're gonna have already like tokenized uh, legal tenders, and and that's gonna be like guys, that was adoption. So. If banks start pushing kind of like for this optimization because they understand the value of it, like then the whole world is going to be tokenized. I mean, we're already going to be transacting everyone in the blockchain. I mean, I'm not in, I'm not daydreaming. I'm just telling you what the news are because that's where you understand the institutionals really jumping in. So that's why I read the news. And I'm going to say mm-hmm. banks are getting ready for it. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting what's going to happen soon in the in the space, as a, in the global economy for once. I see the same thing you can tell in the news um, might be one of the few things that's not fun to speculate uh, mortgage sales mortgage sales could definitely um, bring on crypto where they ETF into something and they tell you to buy get your mortgage through that instead through them so instead of your mortgage being handled with the fiat system it's actually handled with a crypto system so that could be some of the first adoptions that we see on it I'm not sure if we're going to see the banks storing crypto in the future they they have a little bit of a ways to come before they can um, guarantee or ensure their own security on the blockchain Then we also have, for example, uh, tokenized uh, stock markets. So here in Europe, they just passed a regulation uh, for a pilot regime. So there's going to be stock markets that is going to be tokenized. So we're talking about STOs. And that's actually what we do in Britain. We do security token offerings because we want to transform companies' equity and embed them into the blockchain. So now they do have access to tokens because it's a tokenized equity. And it's like, is that so far off? It's like, no, guys, there's stock markets that are being tokenized already. United States, you have it, UK, Singapore, now Europe. So it's kind of like, 
every single news drop that we have, it's kind of like everybody wants to know how far blockchain it is, but now it's embedded into the regulations and now just become a possibility. And now we have an enabling. So, uh, I mean, we are we far off that CBDC is going to be the tokenized money? Yeah, could be. I agree with you. Maybe it's a little bit positive or four-year term. But as of now, you can really tokenize equity already. So there's going to be stock markets that are going to be transacting into security tokens. And that's also going to be a massive point of adoption because companies might decide, yeah, I want to go do an IPO, I do it with NASDAQ, or I'm going to try a security token through these tokenized stock markets. And that's just the beauty of it. It's like, okay, I can go for A or B or do a hybrid, which is part of part. But that's the, the thing. It's everybody's trying to see what is going to be like the mass mass adoption the deponents right like what is going to be the igniter and i think we have a lot of different positions to ignite that mass adoption enabler so when when security tokens are established onto shares via blockchain and digitizing now i'm kind of curious about that so people will be able to buy that through their say, regular broker. Now, are they going to transact? Like, does this mean that they're actually going to be able to buy the stock? We'll, we'll say theoretically the stock note as digitized and be able to transfer it out of the stock market into a personal wallet. Or is it still going to be a subsidiary system of your trading with a not fractional reserve, but reserve currencies on a broker that are representing the digitizing of that token? of that company um or like do you do you understand where i'm going with this are these just no, going to be visual screen trading and if they want to actually go and buy that stock they're still going to have to go to you know this stock company.com to go directly buy it as a um, movable um uh crypto it, it can happen at many levels right so in, for instance company themselves can relinquish the fact of having to use a broker. So they can really go into the retail and offer their stocks in a manner that right now it's too complex. So that's why they go into brokers who are the ones that have sufficient power, know how to put them into um, the public sales and then the IPO and whatnot. So there's gonna be obviously brokers in the STO because intermediaries, even though it's uh, frictionless, the blockchain can be so frictionless, know-how is not. So still there's like these rules of know-how, the intermediary who can push for a certain product or how do you can use a certain service. But that's slowly, slowly is gonna change because once companies understand that they can put their equity directly to the blockchain and offer it to clients, it's gonna change the paradigm because it's like, okay, so now I'm a company, I need crowdfunding. Do I need to go to a broker? Well, it depends. There's countries that you might need to, kind of like USA is big on this regulatory part, on the SEC and everything. But there's other countries where the company can directly make an offer to the public. And that's going to be the beauty of it because it's like, I don't need a broker. I just need a, to tokenize my asset and then put it on the chain. And then people will, will receive tokens that are equal to shares. Now, regarding the share, there's the thing called digital twin, where you have the share and you have the, the token, and they're both linked, so they're both the same. There's other types of tokenization where it's like, no, it's just a representation where, where is, you have like an access or a call option, but that's just like the when they want to hit just the first layer, like the crust of the pie. But if you want to say, like, where's the strawberry cream and everything, it's like, dude, create a digital twin, the share and the token transact at the same level they're the exact same obligation and rights so you has you you can really transact with tokens and they are moving what is happening with the share so that's actually how the tokenization company should happen because now the company itself can really begin transacting into web3 because now they have a token and they say they have a token it's on the blockchain and if that is connected to the whole ecosystem we're talking about possibilities with DeFi, collateral staking mm -hmm. and it's like look it's just the beginning because the token it's what allows it to enter all these mass possibility because shares are static it's just a document and it's just like the people sign it or buy it but no they don't really feel it it's a non-fun it's a fungible thing in that sense but with tokens connected into this open ledger with so many data points look, i don't even know where we're gonna go with that but just but the right possibility now, is amazing 
I know I'm like the smile on my face has been growing and growing and growing while you've been talking about that. And I have I have spoke about this and I've predicted this, that in the future, I'm going to be able to hold on to my Tesla stock in my hands. Of course, it won't be just on the screen. And that's exactly what we're talking about right now. And that's what you do. You're you're starting to tokenize and digitize these stocks. So this is all just happening like what what and, and then when you ended that you're like i i don't know where or how and and you can but you do you do see some things it's hard to compute how big it's gonna get but something is def there's gonna be a chain reaction you can you you can feel it i can feel it people will for the first time be able to go hey i you bought that tokenized digital stock from the stock market and they'll be the, the stock what and this would be old guy talk right where they're just like no I'm my broker does it all and he'll be like no look it look it I have my stocks for whatever Western Canadian farm producers right there I own 10,000 of them it's on my phone now do you want some exactly. and they will they'll be able to trade them it's gonna create that environment where they're gonna be able to trade them outside they'll be able to OTC them to each other that is going to make crypto awareness grow rapidly it will I mean it's it's a p2p environment right so right now selling the broker takes a cut because he's the one hitting the market for you and you we don't even know what are the OTCs that they're involved or like so many movements that we're not aware because they own us I mean we just think that we're buying shares but they own the market and they have the market makers at play and they have all this craziness that happened in the stock markets where we don't even own anything. I mean, it's a piece of paper that says like, maybe I own it, but it's through another one. But now if you have the stock directly into your MetaMask ledger, wherever you want to go, you can really do whatever you can because it actually, for the first time in history, it's actually yours. So that's just a change of paradigm blockchain and everything. It's just allowing people to really own. It's not anymore like, it's owned by a third party who's providing me the service. Like, oh, dude, just look at my MetaMask. I am the owner of Tesla and I have 10,000 stocks. And if you want them, yeah, maybe I'll give them to you for free or we can do OTCs. And then all these new markets start happening at the peer-to-peer -peer level, which is going to also affect yeah. the markets. And we'll see how. It will. It's going gonna, it's gonna to revolutionize the markets is what it's going to do. It's going to stop wall street it's going to slow them down um not always my favorite group inside of the whole entire financial system because they love to play they think it's a game and, and a lot of the big broker traders they treat this as a game where people like ourselves were like no um the game that's a play a video game on playstation this is real life right we we don't agree Hype happens. We know that. People FOMO into stuff. We know that also. But creating an environment of P2P stocks is is going to change things dramatically. Now, I, I have wrote down here tokenization in Web3. When we talk about that, could you explain that to my listeners, what that is? Yeah, I mean, I believe Web3, I mean, everybody has its own definition. But for me, it's actually when somebody or somebody is already transacting with a token. So it's kind of like the wallet is, is giving you access to Web3, right? So what is Web3? Is that where you own something and it's your wallet, your identity, really pushing the OK button and that transaction is yours. So when you buy stocks through the Web3, it's actually you're buying directly the token from the company and that's allowing you to really own something and then have these possibilities of being connected or interconnected with the rest of service. So the, the loaning system, the collateralization system or whatever, you know, and like Web3 is just one big livid uh, ecosystem. It's, it's actually a life because we're used to the Web2 where everybody's broken. Like Google has its own databases, Facebook has it or Meta, whatever has its own databases, the bank has its own databases, the public administration has its own databases. But in Web3, since everything happens on chain, we can talk about layer breaching and layer twos or whatever, but let's believe that it's just one big blockchain. That just allows anything to happen because the token can be transacted, can be sent, can be stored, can be uh, used. So there's so many uses that it's like 
giving life to something that shouldn't have it because it's still a code, but it's just how it moves and how everything reacts to it that just becomes web free. And that's how I like to see it. It's just a vivid ecosystem. So tokenizing shares is kind of like giving life to the stocks because if not, the broker has it, you see it on your phone, it's just a graph, but you can really do anything to stocks. I mean, for example, if you want to use stocks as a collateralization in the bank, best of luck because you don't know those stocks. So they will be like, no, but the broker owns that stock. So actually you cannot use that collateralization. But what about in the future, you connect to a DeFi protocol and say, I own these stocks, they trade at this, and I get, I don't know, 2,000 euros as a loan against it. Yeah, let's put it in the scroll, give it 2,000 euros, put the stock there, then let's transact. So it's kind of like, those possibilities are what it makes it a vivid ecosystem, the blockchain. Multis, like multi-sig transactions, multi-sig escrow transactions. Yeah, that's that's what could be also part of it. It's just a uh, yeah, bunch of possibilities and all done via tokens. There's another side that it happens. Um, brokers will have to be honest. They can't be fractional reserves, not in digital oh, tokenization. Really? <laughs> completely open ledger brings transparency and brings trust because if you want to see what happens well, it's there you know kind of yeah okay people can use tornado or whatever but in reality no everything is going to be more cleaner the ecosystem is starting to get cleaner in that sense that's going to give us possibilities of actually understanding how do we transact when do we transact who is transacting who owns who doesn't and I mean, I think it's going to be a more equal market than the one that we are now. Okay, so um, I see here security tokens um, for established businesses, real estate, and startups. Can you tell me what Bricken see a uh, Bricken will have for an impact on real estate and startups? Yeah, I mean, real estate is it's one of those ecosystems that it's very rigid, right? So um, just a few people really enter there just because how the ticket to enter is very high, right? So you want to flip, well, we're talking about, I don't know, the, whatever, 200K to buy an apartment cheap and then remodel, resell it. And to get those 200K, you will have to probably either go to the bank, and well, let's see how good you have a, a credit score, or maybe you have some assets that you can collateralize, whatever. But the thing is, it's very rigid, right? So few players, but everybody understands that real estate is one of those assets that continuously keeps the building value. I mean, except on some certain areas, but in the most, it's like Barcelona, for example, where, I'm, where I live, it's like real estate in the past 10 years have like almost doubled the value. So that's insane, but nobody has access to it. So when you tokenize and provide that, it's like instead of me going to the bank, maybe I can go to the retail, to the retail investors. So other people like me and start reducing the cost. So it's like, now we're not just one person to clients in 200K, but I don't have it. Maybe it's a group of 50 people, or maybe it's a group of 100 people, and everything is done through that token. So that happens, obviously, at the real estate, but the same logic applies to any kind of other assets, startups, gold, gold environmental resources, uh, the blue chip NFT, the board aim, kind of like you can apply the same logic to absolutely everything now. So it's just about, about like providing access to a bunch of retail because I think 99% of the world are actually a retail investor. So imagine unlocking or providing opportunities to that sector. Then we all kind of play at the same level as the institutional ones, which are the ones who actually do own the world as of now. So I'm kind of curious, a question reflecting back on what was just said. Um, when we have uh, tokenization and it's so built in that it that it's everything, it turns on your lights, it figures out your mail, it does everything. Is this going to pose a problem in disrupting the privacy of individuals? Not necessarily. Uh, it's a very good question. Uh, I mean, in the end, we're also at the first steps of tokenization of transforming everything into token. And wallets can be public in the sense that you can really track somebody and say, like, okay, they own that, they own that wallet or not. So those levels of privacy, there's probably going to be a good service where you can actually show up or not show, uh, maybe your stake or something. Not necessarily you have to show everything that is happening in your wallet. So privacy is still a big concern in the space, you know, kind of like uh, 
if if wrongly used uh, a wallet, and you can really see how much is the power of that person or not, even no. So it's kind of like let's see how the ecosystem trying to bear fair and just now plays with the variable. And it's like, should I mess up with that person because I know his stake, or can I respect him now that we're all playing at the same level, not to go and mess up with that person? So. There's still a bit a big parable, uh, it's a psychological one as well, because we have never had this opportunity or or these chances of of transparency. So we we have, we still have to understand how us as humans are gonna be interacting with this level of transparency. So I really cannot answer your question. I'm hoping for the best less that we understand that the game has changed, that we have access and opportunity and equality at a certain level. But we're still humans, so who knows? Maybe we won't, but hopefully the new generations, but they're born with this freedom and this transparency, but then the, the need to try to mess up with the with the neighbor is not there because they're already used to like, yeah, I know what's happening. I don't need to, I, I, I don't see anything wrong or I can't do anything wrong because I was already born into a transparent world. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another comment that could be made on that. If if it's going to be um, a transparent world and no privacy, then that's going to have to happen throughout every individual, government and citizen. Completely. Completely. But the government and, is owned by citizens. And we, so. and we already know that they're not going to want that. So I figure that that's where um, the need for privacy is going to be addressed because we don't really have the right to know when they buy a toothbrush that's not our business um it's our business if they buy a hundred thousand toothbrushes or they buy one toothbrush for ten thousand dollars you know that might be a concern um but there's going to be a degree of privacy needed and somehow that's going to have to be solved and overcome or there's another um catchphrase that's being said a little bit in the dark webs um i'm reading out of europe and that's the right to be unknown to not have to have big data know everything about you as an individual like it is right now okay there's a lot of things happening it's just because the space is very new like uh the tornado one thing there was uh, even a developer that said like oh yeah they have they they, uh, uh, a guy that grabbed in Hull and went to jail because he was a coder. That was not entirely it. So there's still a lot of misinformation and there's people trying to hide transactions because they don't want to pay taxes so they get pissed, but then they use social security and it's like there's still a lot of uh, we don't know what is the stability or the mid, like the mid, the mid journey you know, kind of like that's something of an exercise that was slowly happening but maybe you and me, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to live in that generation, right? Where we actually understood what is the stability factor. Maybe that's going to happen with our grandsons. But hey, I'm happy, you know, as long as some generation manages to understand how what is the midterm, then we have all won. So I'm really working right now, not in the tokenization, to tokenize everything I would love to, but it's such a mass movement to change absolutely every foundation that have understood the stock markets, the companies, the investors, that as long as my wave hits the third generation and the third generation really understands that it's an open and public transparent ecosystem, then I'm happy. I'm, I feel like I have succeeded in life and I'm good to go. Okay, so now um, just uh, back over to a Bricken uh, question again. Um, if I'm a company, and I want help, is there things that you can do for my company? And if so, could you explain? Yeah, so basically what we do is uh, we can tokenize your equity or we can tokenize your assets or we can tokenize your debt. So we are a crowdfunding mechanism for you to obtain funds to pursue your entrepreneur and well, your activity. But once you have that, and we tokenize and we issue the security tokens and we issue the tokens representing your assets and everything, we provide you with the management solution of governance. So you can create polls, you can distribute funds, you can distribute, uh, you can accept KYCs, block transactions and everything. So we're not only tokenizing, we're giving you the tools now that you're into a Web3 environment to operate into Web3. So because we understand that tokenization is step one but once you have a token solution you need to act into a token economy so that's where i'm guiding to not just the tokenization factor 
by providing a solution that can help you operate in a Web3 environment. So that's Bricken. We tokenize, but I help you uh, manage your tokens as if you will manage your company offline. And then how do you back this process of equity? Is there proof of equity? How does that, how does that work? Yes. Uh, same as probably right now, uh, everything, yeah, KYC, a corporate KYC proof of absolutely everything. We're not at that level where all information is on the chain. So we really need to act for cost, uh, for documents to companies that want to organize. So we do a corporate KYC. Uh, UBO, uh, shareholder and cap table, maybe some financial statements in some cases. I mean, that due diligence needs to be done because if you're going to look for crowdfunding mechanism, and let's put a crazy example, you were incorporated two days ago and you're looking to raise one million. Well, that's a huge red flag, right? I mean, that's how you're going to do that. You have nothing, but you want to raise a million. So since I know we're in early stages. Well, we have a, a big legal team in the back who actually provides us who can tokenize and who doesn't. Hopefully in the coming years, everything's gonna be more automized so more possibilities are gonna come. But for now, this is the game, right? At least protecting the issuer and the retail investor because sometimes the issuer doesn't understand. And maybe the company that came with two days long to raise 1 million, they really thought they were in the right and they could do it. But that's also something that we give them under compliance. It's like, no, like you cannot do that because A, B, C, D, and then we teach them, come back in six months when you have all of this. And maybe that's the point where we can allow you to tokenize with our platform. Oh, Edwin, you'd mentioned something earlier, and I didn't ask a question about it. Um, you popped out the words, a new form of crowdfunding. Um, I, I didn't have a clear note on that. Now, do you remember what we were talking about? Yes. I mean, uh, we we have different kinds of crowdfunding throughout. Uh, I want to say history because crowdfunding is quite early. It's quite uh, young. But back in the day, it was through centralized platforms, right? So you would go to Kickstarter, you know, or you would go to Crowdcube, or you would go to different kind of methods that were actually quite successful. But it breaks uh, the Web3 in the sense that it's a centralized database. So if you go to Kickstarter, you go, you, you stay there. You cannot transact outside of that. You go to Crowdcube, you can only transact in Crowdcube. So you are not connected to other databases in a Web3 environment. You break that because obviously open ledger uh, i don't know the database i just help you issue tokens in the blockchain give you the solution but i don't own you and you don't have to come back to me later and and i and i compare you i give you the complete freedom so it's kind of like that is why it's a new crop on the mechanism the tokenization are we better than web2 not necessarily what we are definitely better is at optimization. And that's how I see blockchain. It's just optimizing procedures uh, because since everything transacts fast, it's open, it, it just allows you to be quicker and and be more, uh, uh, how to say, stable in certain things. So I do think that one of the killer uh, uh, options as to why we are better than Web2, than Kickstarter and Cracky. It's just because we're, we're in an open protocol. We use a blockchain that is there and everybody can see the transaction and the trust is higher. And most like, and the most important thing is because I don't own you. You don't play in my ecosystem. You don't play in my database. I give you the solution. But if later you want to quit for me, go ahead. You have the tokens, you have the investors. I'm just giving you a nice wireframe where you can see and operate. But am I needed for you to survive? No. I'm just providing you the easiness to 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 operate, where you can always be free and get, get out of my database. Good luck trying to do that with another where they own you as a database. Once you marry yourself with a crowdfunding platform in a Web2 solution, they own you from the beginning to the end because basically you do need them because they have everything for you. So that's completely different. Okay, um, what blockchain do you prefer? Okay, so I'm kind of like an Ethereum. Yeah, this is kind of like, what's the right answer, right? It's like, oh, don't hate me, everyone. I, it's, I'm an Ethereum. Everybody has, everybody has their difference, right? So you're like, you really like the Ethereum chain. 
I like the Ethereum chain. I mean, uh, I know it's a little bit chaotic and there are other new ones. But for me, it's uh, the biggest dev community is still there. I mean, Vitalik is just one of those brains that is like, it's out of this world. And everyone, every other chain has come up to say like, you can transact faster, faster or you can uh, perform million transactions per second and my fees are smaller. The thing is, I think if Ethereum once it finishes with the three stage um, uh, change to proof of stake, all other ones, their their unique selling point has died because Ethereum will be faster, Ethereum will be cheaper, Ethereum will be able to uh, scale uh, at a better rate. So it's kind of like every other solution that was built to to cover the pains that was provided by Ethereum. Like what what comes later? Oh, I'm gonna give you. 1 million transactions per second. Yeah, okay, nobody notices that. And I don't mind waiting 30 seconds for my transaction. You're not gonna like that three minute Bitcoin coffee. Yeah, it's gonna obviously get better and all of that. But as of now, I am an Ethereum maxi. Yeah, it's like everybody's trying to reinvent McDonald's right now. They don't understand. They you can't. It's not gonna happen. Ethereum's pretty much there to stay. Um, what do you think of the new tra- change going to POS? I, I think it's uh, I think it's one of those stages that everybody should really look what happens in September. You know, I mean, a lot of people are positive. Uh, a lot of people think. That fees are gonna get lower. I'm not of that positiveness. I just think it's one of the steps that's gonna happen. But we're still looking at them, uh, at everything changing how it was foreseen. It was gonna take probably two years. But nonetheless, it just sends uh, the right message, right? That it's like uh, a that community through voting decided how it was gonna become, right? Because I think Ethereum is the most centralized chain out there. So it's important to understand that the evolution of Ethereum has been done by its community. Yeah, okay, more of a developer community because those are the ones actually voting. But dude, I voted. You know, kind of like I don't develop, but I still went on and, and cast my vote with the different IIPs. So, I mean, it's just, uh, I think it's a good level of democratization and good level of decentralization and they still made it so i think it's it's a very interesting thing to to start seeing and let's see how the rest of blockchains that start evolving or something because ethereum is still the most uh, with the most transaction the most stats the most everything so i mean it's still the power that, that word that word i'm looking for is liquidity and liquidity <laughs> that's when of people course. are like my new blockchain and then you're like okay well <laughs> You put a thousand dollars in, you try and sell, and then there's not enough liquidity. It's like, well, this is the thing, and and people are having troubles understanding that. Um, there is a, there is a lot going on for Ethereum. The NFT craze. Um, yeah, you know what? Actually, I'm going to ask you that before I ask these final questions. What do you think of NFTs? Uh, okay, used to be a, a big uh, hater a uh, year ago. Uh, I thought it was more. Of uh, trade, I don't have nothing against trading. I trade myself, uh, you know, kind of like it's not that. But when I put myself in the tech shoes, I think there was a big pain because it was just more about like how much money I'm gonna make out of this drop, and then people just started abusing, and there were like all these rug and pulls and this like FOMO that it was fake, and influencers jumping in because they were in skin deep in the game. So it was kind of like for me, it was a very shitty environment. Sorry for the word. But that's how I saw it. But I did start understanding the power of NFT. You know, kind of like you have this non-fungible that can help you create this and and the community buildings, some of them went just crazy. So it was like, okay, so community is definitely one of the biggest things that is happening in the blockchain. So I started seeing the positive things out of NFT. And now I think uh, uh, like kind of like the bear market, it's a cleanse and repeat. And I think NFTs are here to stay. There's a good amount of technology there that can be used in different sectors and uh, even for identity wise or contract wise. And we're still gonna see like the, the PFP for the, like the, the NFTs that are gonna do that. But at least also I'm seeing more maturity in the space, kind of like some NFTs now dropping with a utility, with a roadmap, with a docs team. So it's kind of like, okay, so we're getting more mature and that's always good. And that's good for absolutely everyone in the space, I think, you know, kind of like, 
it's not because crypto that doesn't have to be serious. I think people should be serious when there's money involved. So I think seriousness is going to help us evolve and get into a better situation for the NFT projects and the NFT marketplace. Okay. Um, now, do you make yourself available to people? And if so, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, um, I got my LinkedIn, I got my Twitter. I'm more uh, active on LinkedIn because I used to come from corporate, so kind of like that stay. Uh, I still tweet, but not not as heavily as I drop messages or correspond on, on LinkedIn. So I do have a, a rule, and it's uh, at least maybe one to five virtual coffees I take on a week with people that I don't know, and they, they ask me, like, hey, you want to have a virtual coffee? I'm like, sure, I don't even know what they want to talk about. If they start selling me the the product and they trick me there, I drop the call. But I do always like to understand, like, why is people here? Or what do they have as a project? Or what kind of advice can I give them? Because sometimes maybe they can give me an advice back. So I love those conversations. So yeah, feel free, everybody, to add me on LinkedIn and send me a message and say, like, hey, man, I'm taking that. Let's have a virtual coffee. Let's meet for half an hour. You know, like five... Five calls for me of half an hour, it's, it's, that's like a movie. So instead of me wasting my time oh, yeah. sometimes watching a movie, I want to learn and pick on other people's brains. So I'm, I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be, it can have a lot of fulfillment in this industry where average citizen, you say anything about blockchain and they're like, they just look at you funny because the average citizen isn't really into crypto yet. So I can imagine that's really good fulfillment, being able to go through a lot of different topics and having people contact you over them. Um, Did I have, was there anything that I missed about Bricken? Um, Maybe just the website for contact. What is the website for them to get? So uh, it's obviously um, www. Uh, sure. Sorry. www.brickend.com and you can find all information related there. We have our, our DAP. Uh, we have our new version dropping by the end of September. We're super excited. All our past two years of experience are embedded into DAP, the centralized application. And yeah, we're here to really see how we can help the world getting tokenized. And we'd love to hear about somebody's business or somebody comes to here and wants to say, hey, I heard about that. What do you think about my startup? I would love to hear that and plan something and let's see if tokenization is right for you. You know, it could, it could be or it could not. And I'll at least be true and be like, maybe not now, but if it is, ah, let's go for it. So I also see that you do lectures in universities um, and business schools. Are you getting really good feedback from the younger generations? Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, I direct a master's, uh, it's in collaboration with Binance for the for Spain, well, out of Spain. And at the beginning, I thought it was going to be more like, uh, let's say, 20 to 30, uh, like the age average of, of people that will jump in. But uh, I was surprised. Actually, it, the, the average is between 30 and 40. So it's kind of like, I think the new generations, okay, it could be like money-wise, still a master or whatever. I, I do not know that. But I think a lot of our generations, um, I'm from 87, actually, so I have 35. Uh, like a lot of people are starting to get curious. And sometimes, well, when I'm giving classes, and I do give the classes on tokenization and crowdfunding and whatnot. Uh, I usually ask them, it's like, why are you doing this class? Or why are you doing the master? I like, because everybody was talking about it and I didn't understand anything. So I had to put myself up to date because if not, tomorrow's job, who knows if I'm going to have it. So there was like a momentum of need, fear, and curiosity, which is a big bump because everybody's just like, okay, so how is blockchain going to truly be and what is happening? So, yeah, I mean, for schools and everything, yeah, I think uh, it's very interesting that my average for teaching actually is above 30. Mm. That's really, that's very interesting, actually. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming out today and talking to me here on Crypto After Dark. Um, I just, if there's anything that you had missed that you wanted to say before we end the program, um, please do so. Thank you very much, Rick. It's been a a very 
very nice conversation. We talk about a lot of things, so I, I like that. We went from jobs, we went from tech, we went from democratization. I think we're a very interesting podcast. Thank you very much for having me. No, thank you. If you've been following along on this program, you'll know what I'm going to say already. Please like, subscribe, and share. Thank you for listening. This has been a Crypto After Dark production.